Love Talk Radio. Spreading the love worldwide. www.jesusinthemorningradio.com As we stand on the brink of a new year, I invite you to pause and ponder a profound truth. The power to shape this year lies not in the hands of chance, but in the fervent prayers we lift to heaven. If you believe that God can make a difference in your life today, let us stand together in faith. I will pray a powerful prayer with you in the mighty name of Jesus. So watch until the end and open your hearts to receive the blessings of this prayer. Today, we embrace the transformative power of prayer in manifesting a year filled with blessings, breakthroughs, and divine favor. Friends, as we stand at the threshold of a new year, let's remember an enduring truth. Every great journey begins with a single step, and our journey through this year starts with prayer. Let's turn our hearts to the infinite wisdom of God's Word, drawing inspiration from Psalm 40, which vividly reminds us of the Lord's faithfulness in hearing our cries and lifting us out of despair. Picture David, the author of Psalm 40, waiting patiently for the Lord. He cries out from the depths, and God in His boundless mercy not only hears but acts setting David's feet upon a rock, making his steps secure. This imagery isn't just for David. It's for us, too, as we seek a good year ahead. It's a promise that when we call out, God listens, and He acts. In this new year, let's remember that prayer isn't just about asking. It's about aligning our hearts with God's heart. When we pray... We are not just sending wishes into the void. We are engaging in a profound conversation with our Creator. Prayer is the bridge that connects our earthly concerns with God's heavenly power. Consider the words of Jeremiah 29 verse 11, where the Lord declares, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope and a future. These aren't empty words. They are a divine assurance that God has a plan for each of us. As we pray for a good year, we are tapping into that divine blueprint, seeking guidance on how to align our steps with His grand plan. Our prayers for a good year should also be a reflection of our gratitude. We should approach God with thankfulness in our hearts, acknowledging the blessings of the past year, even amidst trials. Remember, 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18, which instructs us to give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. Gratitude opens our hearts to God's new blessings. As we pray for a good year, Let's also pray for wisdom. James 1 verse 5 tells us that if any of us lacks wisdom, we should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. This 
wisdom is crucial as we navigate the challenges and opportunities that the new year brings. In praying for a good year, let's not forget to pray for others. Galatians 6 verse 2 teaches us to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. When we intercede for others, our own hearts grow in, in compassion and empathy, qualities that are essential for a fulfilling year. Let's also commit to being agents of peace and love in the new year. In Matthew 5 verses 9, Jesus calls the peacemakers blessed, for they will be called children of God. Let us aim to be instruments of his peace in a world that desperately needs it. Remember, our prayers for a good year are not just for material blessings, but for spiritual growth and strength. Ephesians 3 verse 16 prays that God may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Let's seek this inner strength to face whatever the year may bring. Finally, let us pray with faith, believing that God hears us. Mark 11 verse 24 says, Therefore I tell you whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. As we pray for a good year, let's do so with confidence, trusting in God's unfailing love and power. As we embark on this new year, let these prayers be our guide and our comfort. Let's step forward in faith, knowing that the God who heard and delivered David is the same God who walks with us today. Let's pray with hope, with gratitude, and with a heart open to God's will. Let this year be a testament to the power of prayer in shaping our lives and the world around us. Now, to all those within the sound of my voice, let us go to the Lord in prayer. I want you to pray this prayer with me so that you can have all the blessings of this prayer. You may also listen to this prayer daily as you build your faith and come in agreement. Let us pray to our gracious and loving God. Heavenly Father, the Alpha and the Omega, I come before you with a heart full of thanksgiving and praise. You are the creator of all things, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Your power and glory fill the heavens and the earth. In this moment of prayer, I thank you for your endless love, for the breath of life, and for the countless blessings you have given to me. Lord, I acknowledge your faithfulness and thank you for your unwavering presence in my life. I am grateful for all the times you have guided me, lifted me, and provided for my needs. Thank you for all you have done for me in the past year and for all that you are about to do. Thank you for the peace you bring to my heart and the joy that comes from knowing you. Lord, I ask for your forgiveness for my sins and shortcomings. I also extend forgiveness to those who have trespassed against me releasing any bitterness or resentment in my heart. Lord, as I embark on the journey of this year, I seek your divine guidance and wisdom. Enlighten my path, Lord, 
and grant me the discernment to make choices that honor you. Help me to recognize your voice amid the noise of the world and to follow your lead with confidence and trust. As I face decisions and challenges, guide my thoughts and actions. I pray for health and strength for myself and my loved ones. Lord, be our shield and buckler, protecting us from illness and harm. Cover us in our comings and goings and lead us away from temptation. Let your healing anointing flow through our bodies, minds and spirits, for by the stripes of Jesus we are healed. In the powerful name of Jesus, I declare health and vitality over my life, and I rebuke every form of sickness, disease, pain, and discomfort, trusting in your healing power. Gracious Father, I ask for your provision and prosperity. Open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings that there will not be room enough to receive it. Lord, provide for my needs according to your riches in glory and grant success to the work of my hands. I declare in the name of Jesus that this day and this year will be marked by your favor and abundance in my life. I rebuke lack and scarcity, trusting in your promise to supply all my needs. Lord, in your mighty name, I pray for breakthroughs in every area of my life, trusting in your power to open doors no one can shut and to make a way where there seems to be no way. In a world that can often feel chaotic and stressful, I seek your peace and joy, Lord. Fill my heart with a peace that surpasses understanding and a joy that is unspeakable. In every situation, help me to rest in your sovereignty and trust in your good plans for my life. I declare peace over my mind and joy in my heart, knowing that these gifts come from you. I pray for love and harmony in all my relationships. Guide my interactions and let them be seasoned with grace and kindness. Heal any rifts and misunderstandings and help me to build bridges of forgiveness and understanding. In the name of Jesus, I bind any spirit of discord and release unity and love in my family, friendships and work relationships. Lord, protect me from all harm and evil. Be my refuge and my fortress a strong tower I can run to for safety. Deliver me from all powers of darkness, from all destruction, and all the fiery darts of the wicked. Guard me against the attacks of the enemy, and let no evil befall me or my dwelling. Surround me with your angels, and let your presence be a shield around me. Lord, as I open my heart to you, cleanse me, and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Awaken my spiritual consciousness and bring me to full spiritual maturity. Father, increase the measure of my faith 
and help me to bear fruit in keeping with your will and divine purpose. Strengthen me in my inner being through your Holy Spirit and let my life reflect your love and goodness. I declare that this year will be a season of spiritual awakening and growth as I draw closer to you. Use me, Lord, as an instrument of your peace and love. Let my words and actions bring hope and encouragement to those around me. I pray that my life will be a testimony of your grace, shining your light in dark places. In the name of Jesus, I bind any spirit of fear and declare boldness, courage, and a sound mind. Lord, as I say this prayer, together with everyone listening, I am grateful for every heart that is humbled before you right now. We come in agreement, knowing that where two or three are gathered in your name, you are there in our midst. We pray for each other, asking that your blessings, healing, and protection be upon us. In unity, we claim victory over the challenges we face. Declare healing for our bodies and minds, and thank you for your constant protection. We declare that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Deliver us, Lord, from all accidents and negative incidents. Through your grace and mercy, we are blessed in our coming in and blessed in our going out. In the name of Jesus, everything is working for us and not against us. We declare that your goodness and mercy shall follow us each day. We are grateful that you made all the good difference in our lives. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forevermore. Thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering my prayer. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you were blessed by this prayer, type the word Amen in the comment section below. I declare that all the blessings of this prayer are now upon you in the name of Jesus. Remember, you can help us to reach more persons and spread the gospel. You can do this by sharing the video with a friend or family member and by clicking the like button. Also, remember to subscribe to our channel for more videos that will bless your heart and uplift your spirit. We appreciate all your support. You're blessed to be a blessing. Please feel free to leave your prayer request in the comment section so that we can present them before God for your blessings and victory and so that other believers on the YouTube platform and all over the world can stand in agreement with you and start praying for you right now. Stand in faith with us while we pray. To God be all the glory. May the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all.
Hallelujah, hallelujah, mercy me this morning, and I can only imagine, and these are some of the things that our mind should be stayed on, 
what will it be like when I see Jesus? Um, will I be able to say anything? Will I be able to stand up before him? Uh, will I be able to just fall down and worship him and praise him? What, what, what will I do when I see him? Yeah, some people are afraid to see him because they know they have been who they should have been. So uh, they're afraid, but I want to see him for who he really is this morning. He's my Lord and Savior. He's my King of kings and Lords of Lords. Uh, He's my Heavenly Father. He's on my side. He loves me. Uh, He's my God. The list is endless of what he is to me. I can't describe it all. I can't even really describe him. Oh, because he's so good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Beyond our wildest imagination, he is that. Beyond that, we we could never uh, describe him. He's so great. Yeah. And his love is just powerful. Hallelujah. So we thank God this morning for another Thursday morning, and we're grateful unto him. We appreciate him today, and we love him. Hallelujah. I want to say welcome to Jesus in the morning. I'm your host, Evangelist Barbara Pittman of Freedom Doors Ministries, and I come to you live each weekday morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and today is January the 4th. 2024. Isn't that something? Four days into this new year already. Look like just a few days ago I was preparing for Thanksgiving. And now we are already four days into this new year. God is faithful. Time is winding up as well. Your time is moving on and it's not waiting. And so we need to get our house in order. Yeah, we need to make I call it an election sure with Almighty God. Make sure that we're saved. Make sure that we know him for ourselves. And we don't just know him in passing or what somebody told us, but we know him for ourselves. Hallelujah. That's the great thing about it. You can have him for yourself. You don't have to wait on the preacher or whoever you wait. No, you don't have to wait on anybody. You can go to him automatically for yourself. I'm so thankful for that. Cut out the middle man. You know, the only middle man you need is him because Jesus is our mediator. Yeah, he go between us and the Father, but guess what? He is the Father because the one. And so uh, we can cut all the riffraff out and go straight to him. I'm so glad I don't have to go sit in a box and talk to a priest about my situation. I've sinned and I got to go to the police. I thank God for Jesus this morning. He made it possible that I don't have to go to anybody but him and tell about what's going on with me. Yeah, even our we go to him. We don't have to tell nobody. Yeah, we can go to him and let him know what's going on. Not that he don't already know because as we remember, his eyes are in every place. He's beholding the evil and the good again today. He do it every day. Yeah. The earth is his every day. The fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. I'm so thankful I know him today. Yeah, I'm so thankful he drew me unto him. 
that he could save me, sanctify me, and fill me with his Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Lord. I thank him because without him, I could do nothing. You know, back in the day before I came to him fully, I thought it was me. Do I get up, I go to work, you know. I take a shower, I get dressed. Yeah, I'm thinking it's all me. It was never me. It was always him. Because if, if it was not for him, I wouldn't have my beings. I couldn't move. I wouldn't be living. Oh, but because he lives. Hallelujah. I can face day, tomorrow, and any other day that comes my way. Yeah, God is on our side. We just got to be on his side. Because either we for him or against him. There's nothing in between. Because if you check him out now, thoroughly check God out, you will see there are no in-betweens. There are no ifs, buts. Uh-uh. With him, it's up or down. Over or under, yes or no, right or wrong. Yeah, it's no maybe or could. No, no, no. God don't confuse nobody. See, that's the way to confuse. He's straight up and down in there. And so I'm thankful for that. That I don't have to wander and plunder. Now, all I got to do is believe what his word says. And when you seek in my spirit, believe that. If he whispered in my ear, believe what he said, because what he said is the truth. Hallelujah. I'm grateful to him again this morning. I can't help myself. He's been good to me, way better than I could ever be to myself. He's looking to become a false, yet meet my needs, yet supplying for me, make me the head and not the tail. I don't care what come away. I may look down. I may look pitiful. I may look poor, whatever the case may be, but I am the head because he said so and not the tail. You'll get to see I come in first. You'll get to see I'm up top. And no weapon that is formed against me shall prosper. That's what he said. I don't care what the year is. Whatever year I'm in, yet no weapon that is formed against me shall prosper. But we must believe that. Now, he didn't say the weapon wouldn't form, but it won't prosper. It won't grow. It won't get any bigger. It won't outdo you. No, sir, and no, ma'am. I've had plenty to form, but it couldn't go no further. For great is he that lives within me than he that is in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. There's a lot more promises than the ones I constantly quote. These are the ones that stay with me. Because no matter what come, I rely on his word. Yeah. And his words, his words say he so loved me. And he still does. After Jesus died and rose again, he didn't stop loving me. Mm-mm. He yet loved me. And I thank him for it. And it's a love like we never known. We don't get this kind of love just from in and every old body. It's a special love that only he has. Hallelujah. He wants to see me up. He wants me to be the head. That's why he told me. Yeah. He wants me to have the desires of my heart. That's why he said, if I delight myself in him, he will give me the desires of my heart. 
Who is he, Jehovah God, that have all power? There's no higher power. He's qualified to do it. He's equipped to do it. Hallelujah. In the streets, we used to say he's got the juice. Hallelujah. He can do it. Thank you, Lord. He said, if I keep my mind on him, he'll keep me in perfect peace. Perfect peace. I don't have to worry about anything. I don't have to be over-concerned about nothing. I don't have to worry about nothing. All I got to do is believe, trust him, do what he said. And it's automatic. It comes automatic. Let me tell y'all something. He started the year off kicking indoors for me. Started the year off blessing me real good. Yeah. Because as 2020 was going out, how many know the devil come but to steal, kill, and destroy? Uh, but all I could do is hold on. Yeah, he thought he was taking me for a ride and I would fall off, but I held on. And guess what? In the new year, God blessed me. Yeah, he blessed me. He showed me this. Okay, you, you speak this and uh, people don't believe, I'll give them a, t- I, I, I'll take care of that. I, I'll show them. I'm like, and he has been doing it. Yeah, I can speak because he, he is him, but they looking at me because they see me and they hear my voice, but it's not me, it's him. And I'm not always able to tell you, hey, God speaking to you because we're supposed to pray and have a discernment of spirit so we'll know when God is moving. But our, our spiritual ears are closed, so it's like we have no spiritual ears to hear what the spirit is saying to us because we're the church. Hallelujah. Hear what the spirit is saying to the church. The spirit of God is speaking. Oh, uh, yeah. Bishop Wyden said, God has spoken. Let the church say amen. All I can say is amen to his word this morning. Whatever he says is amen. That means I agree 100% what he said unto him. Hallelujah. Listen, our topic today is wilderness experience. Wilderness experience. Anybody ever been in the wilderness? And just looked like you wasn't gonna come out. You you thought you would be there three days. And you looked up five years had passed. But we may have a wilderness experience, but let me tell you, you don't have to say that. You don't have to keep wandering around in it. Some are sick. Some people are homeless. Some people have great addictions mental health, all kind of stuff. That's a wilderness experience, and they're wandering around in it because they won't obey God, bottom line. I know people got called. He chose some of them. They made a stop with him, and they stopped. Made a start and stopped. Go back, uh, back and forth. Some of them get high get drunk, I'm just telling you the truth. But they know there's a calling on their life, but they refuse to do it because the wilderness. I've gone through the wilderness, but I didn't stay. 
and I've had some wilderness experiences. There are more than one or two or three or four or five. I've been in the midst of some trials, but I didn't stay. I obeyed God and he brought me out. But we want to do what we want to do and not expect a wilderness experience. He brought Israel out because do you see where they were over there with Pharaoh? Do you see every time Moses went to them about what God said, turn them loose, let them go, set my people free. Do you see the heart of Pharaoh? He hardened his heart even more and then went after Israel more. Okay, I want to give y'all strong. I'm not giving you none. Go find some. I'm still wanting this mortar to be made that I'm still wanting you to build. Did them like dogs. But got there because of disobedience. Wilderness experiences many times is because of disobedience. I'm honest with you this morning. Look, looking back at the past, God brought Israel out of the wilderness. But because of their wandering minds, they stayed longer than 11 days. It turned into 40 years. We may have wilderness experiences, but we don't have to stay there. We have the big God who have all power. Now listen, the wandering minds. Moses go up to get the commandments, go up to get the instructions from God. While he gone, they down there doing anything and everything they enough to do. They're not remembering God brought them out where they was. They're not remembering He's our God. We are his people. They're not remembering that. They're not remembering the statutes of God, the law of God. What? Don't, don't, don't put an earring in your nose. Don't put a piercing in your lip, in your ear, in your face. Don't do it on your body. Don't tattoo up your body because it was bought with a price. But wilderness, anybody ever know about animals that are out in the wilderness? It's about the best that they can. There are no rules and regulations to survive. They got to do what they got to do. A lion to kill a wildebeest right now and eat it. Elephant and eat it. Don't care nothing about the mama and the daddy. It's their child. So we're out in the wilderness and we're perishing because we won't take it to God in prayer and leave it with him. We won't obey God to the fullest. We won't pray and ask God, what did you call me to, Father? What did you choose me for? I know before I entered my mother's womb, you had a plan for me. You didn't let my mom conceive me and then say, oh. Here's Barbara, let me see what I'm going to do with her. No, he already had a plan before I entered my mother's womb. He know what's best for me. He made me for his pleasure. So my mind should be considering this all the time, should be thinking of this as often as possible. What is it he chose me for? What is it he called me to? Because many are called, but only a few are chosen. 
And see, many, I know he chose me, but many days I don't see myself as a chosen vessel. That's because I can't think for myself than I ought to. I get to thinking in that way, then I'm thinking I'm something more than I should. And without him, I can do nothing. Because of him, I am who I am. Because of him, I'm where I am. Hallelujah. In a good place with him. I can seek him with my whole heart. I can delight myself in him. I can seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. I can keep my mind on him. Not because of what it brings, but because of who he is. And if I do these things, it's going to please him. And again, this morning, we always want to do what's pleasing and acceptable unto Almighty God. I didn't even get to the scripture yet. And I got too excited already. In 2024, anything you need, put it on all and walk away. Believe in God. If it come back to your mind again, put it back on the altar and walk away and go and look for someone that you can help. I'm looking for help. Look for someone to help. That's one thing I notice about church people. They always wanting something. They go to church because they want God to bless them. They, they go to the prayer line because they want God to answer their prayer. They always wanting something. But you've heard me say it many times to the regulars. Ask not what your God can do for you, but what can you do for your God? You want to come out the wilderness? Begin to work unto God. I remember Brother Frank. Brother Frank was blind. And he couldn't drive and get out like he used to. He wasn't always blind. He found a way to work unto the Lord. Frank would make phone calls. Oh, he knew a lot because he served and helped a lot of people. So Frank would call different ones to check on him. And he would tell them about Jesus in the morning. And it's just that we need to work under God while it's day and night is coming. And when night comes, no man can see. Another thing we need to get with God now because there will be a day you call upon him and you, he won't hear you. And you won't hear him. Now is that time. Now is that time. Now is that time. Because you've been slack with God. You get everything else more attention than you did him. And you bring him in on the ride when you want something from him. So you find yourself many times in the wilderness wandering around when it would have only took a few days and you're out of there, but you've made it for 40 years. You've been in this thing a long time. Unless there's somebody been raped, somebody been threatened. They found out about Jesus, but they come, but they didn't really come to him yet. They have a form of godliness and denying the power thereof. Until you fully come to God and fully seek him and fully let God deliver you and fully forgive others, you're going to be in the wilderness. You're going to be private. You don't want nobody to know too much about you. I'm telling you, I learned from a daughter. 
She always wanted to be private. Mom, I'm a private person. When I find out about private people, they hiding something. You hear me? I'm transparent, as they say. You can see. I like glass. Look on through me. I'll tell you my business. It's out there. Go to Truth Finder. They'll tell you all you need to find about me. Because I don't have no secrets. God is in me and I'm in him. There's nothing he won't protect me from. Nothing. No weapon, he said, that's formed against me shall prosper. But it's me trying to help me, trying to help me. I can't help me. Only God can. I need to let go today and let God have his way in me, through me. I need to go back to him and ask him, Lord, is this all you chose me for? God, is this all you called me for? For the harvest is plenteous, but the labors are few. And I pray that he send more labors into the vineyard. But what about the labor you called and chose me for? Are you increasing my territory in 2024, God? What are you doing? Because guess what? I'm growing everywhere in the groups. I'm growing. Facebook, I'm growing. Over 50-some people came to prayer request club this morning and joined. I didn't even know. And I had to refresh my phone. And when I refreshed it, all the pow, pow, pow. Over on the new Jesus in the morning page, the professional Jesus in the morning page, more people are coming. I joined something over there called Bible and Prayer, I think it's called. I only made a couple of posts over there and people came straight to it. Like it, like it, like it. Amen, amen, amen. Why? It's God that increased the territory, not Barbara. For without him, I can do nothing. But I don't want to keep wandering in the wilderness. Because he said, I ask not, I have not because I ask not. He said, it wouldn't hold no good thing from me. Not only did he call me, but he chose me. I love him. He know it. So whatever I ask for, he's going to give it to me. But I need not be after stuff and things of natural. The natural stuff and things, what they call materialistic. I need to be after the spiritual things of God. So I have discernment and I can get on through this old life and go home to be with him forever. Because many think they're going back with them when they come, but they, they, they're not going to have any works. Not only that, they, 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 they're not going to have a heart after God. Heaven is a special place. And just any and every old body is not in heaven. Mm-mm. No, ma'am. No, sir. So, this is the time for us to gird up the loins of our hearts and minds in the word of God and in God. He gave us so many gifts. And we can have the gift of his spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit of God. And we need to pray for it. It's a precious gift that God has given unto us like Jesus. 
But we went to the altar and said, I do to him, come into my heart and live forever. You know, we repented and all of that. But after that, what did you do? After you believe, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? That scripture right there. They said we had no much so as heard of the Holy Ghost. We, we never heard of that before. So we, we have a lot to accomplish. We have a lot to get done. Time is winding up. Time is getting shorter. Tomorrow is not promised to us. Yesterday is gone. All we have is today to rely on. He gave me today. And then I don't know, at 12 o'clock, I could be gone. I could be dead. Before 12, I could fall dead. So I need to stir up the gifts in me. I need to stir up through prayer and through the word of God. And let me tell you something, the enemy will make you so busy you forget. I was supposed to read yesterday. Do y'all know I forgot to read? So I'm going to double up on it. <laughs> huh? Yeah, you came in me, but I'm going to double up on it today. Yeah. You may be down, but you're not out. Listen to me. If you're willing to obey God, I'm telling you, you will have some wilderness experiences, but you will understand and you won't stay in the wilderness too long. Israel stayed out there too long, 40 years, and you constantly moving, headed to the land that's promised to you. But you out there with lions, tigers, and bears. You out there with snakes and, 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 and cougars and, and it's no telling what was out in the wilderness. Moses go up to get the instructions of God, come back, y'all done made a gold calf. And many people, I'm bored. You're bored because you're not right. You have to make this flesh come under subjection. You have to make yourself do things. I didn't wake up one morning saved and I had it all together. From the year of 1993 to 2024, I've come a long way. I didn't, I didn't go to the altar and say I do, and then the next day I'm where I am. I had to grow in his grace, grow in his love, grow in his kindness. Grow in his mercy. I had to have many wilderness experiences. I had to have some other experiences. I had to go to some places where the, the people where I went had the answer to my questions. Something God would bring to you and something he would send you to get. I went all the way to High Ridge, Missouri, hoping to see. I don't forgot the woman named Dr. Goodman. Oh, I forgot his name. That's a shame. And, 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 and none of that, the Lord was showing me, showing me, constantly showing me, I don't want you like these people. I don't want you to have a form of God that's denied my power. You know me. You know what I'm capable of doing. You know, how Paul even came with this and said there were some things he wanted to tell us, but he couldn't. God showed me 
to them I couldn't tell nobody because the first thing they would say is that's not God, oh, but it was. If God can tell me he's going to give you the house on the hill with the dog named flood within 10 days and within eight days you got the house, don't tell me I don't know what he said. God said he was going to heal your body within the next three days, and he did that. I told you he said he was. Don't you think I know when he's speaking? I've seen him move in mysterious ways. Ooh, I can't tell, tell, tell you about it, though. I've seen God move in some ways where the church folks say, God don't do that. Hallelujah. The people of God know he said he's able to move any kind of way he wants to. I've seen God take a cigarette and save a mother. Now, I know y'all won't understand it, but he did. Her son had mental health issues. And he could hang out with the street people. Sometimes, well, a lot of the time, street people mean. And if you're not a part, they don't treat you too good. And they will hurt you. You don't want to fool with street folks and you don't know what you're doing. But this woman's son was upset with her because she didn't give him money to pay for a prostitute the night before. Then the next day, he didn't have cigarettes. And boy, he wanted to do something to her. And had he not got what he wanted, I'm sure it would have been trouble, big trouble. She told me of an experience of her brother and another son. And when I told her about the brother and I told her about the son, this woman had a fit. She said, I had a dream. My brother loved Mustangs, and he was driving a Mustang. And my son was sitting in the passenger seat waving and said, Mama, hey, glory, glory, hey, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Mama, I'm all right, Mama. I'm with Uncle so-and-so. And he said, drove off in the Mustang. And she said, they were so happy. Because she was concerned whether both of them had gone. Did they go back to be with the Lord? Did they go to take their rest? Where was the brother and the son that died? God showed her they with me. That took a load off of her. Because she was weighted down. Every day she was having a wilderness experience. And she had to wait on God to bring her out the day she met. Right outside the hotel. He released her burden. He brought her completely out of this. She said she had been going to church with these people, and all they wanted was money, money, money. Every time you turn around, they're raising money. They're asking for money. They need money. They want money. And let me tell you something. If you don't start out on this journey for free, I'm talking to the men and women of God that say they preachers, they pastors, the apostles and all of the bishops and all this stuff. If you didn't start out on this journey for free and sit down or go on about your business. 
because you, you, you're using the people of God to get money out of them. A lot of this stuff the church having, that's not God, that's church folks doing it. Money answers all things. I like what money can do. But I'm not going to let money put you through a wilderness experience. Mm -mm. I don't want any of that. I want to move when God says. If he don't say, ask, don't ask. But he will always honor your cheerful giving. But if he say don't ask people for money, don't do it. But these people think they don't need to get a job. They just need for the church to take care of them. Where did he get that mentality from? I was listening to Pastor Gino this morning. That Gino had me screaming. Listen. He said, well, where did Jesus work? You know, he worked, but who paid him? Who paid Jesus? Yet they tell me the, the robe that he wore was of quality. Hallelujah. They said the sandals that he wore was of quality. Now, where did he get his pay from? There's no need for them to do this. And let me tell you, they put more stock in a building and pews and carpet and lights and, oh, my goodness, than they do in families. Oh, but when they stand before God, they're going to have to answer. Here's a man, his wife, and his children struggling. And you'd rather add on to a building. You'd rather put carpet and pews and fancy chairs and lighting and all this stuff in a building than to take care of a man and his family. They help them out. They're struggling right now. He don't want you to help him forever because he don't like handouts. God can't tug at your heart the best because he knows you and you come up with this excuse. This God money. And we got to be good stewards. No, you don't. You're lying wonder. Here's on. I'm a case and proven point. I started Jesus in the morning in, uh, we, I want to say 2010. And when I started it, it was $39 a month. That's what I paid. And every month, the $39 was there. There was never really a mispayment unless I confused the money some kind of way because I had more than one account and this and that going on. And If I confused the money, then, you know, I had to go to another source and get the money and pay or pray. But Jesus in the morning never went off the air. It continued. I would ask people for money. They gave zero. Because, you know, many people, they don't come to be a blessing. They come to receive. So I'm looking crazy. And I, I got to go to the Lord. Then every now and then he would send somebody through who would just bless me so that the show could continue. Never went off the air. 14 years in August or so. Never went off the air. 
all the things connected to it, the websites, the this, the that, Microsoft, yada, 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 never stop flowing. And I want to tell you why it belongs to God. Anything belongs to God, God takes good care of it. Want you to hear that? Anything belongs to God. God takes care of it. But the problem with man, God is not taking care of it the way He wanted it done. See, they they say they, they they believe God and they have faith, but no, they want to know where everything is coming from. They want to know where the next meal coming from, where the next car payment, where the next... See, because they can't, they, they, they don't love him, and they don't know him. I love him this morning, and I know him. And I know he'll work it out for me. It may not be in the way that I want it. That was like last month. I didn't know really where the $99 was going to come from. But that's what they did. They waited till the 27th to charge me. <laughs> and by the 27th, I had the $99 to pay. What? That's the way he moved. One month, I didn't have the money. And I prayed the prayer of faith. And that's God for the 99. Brother Jermaine wanted the blessing, but he wanted to keep it a secret. He didn't want me to know where the money came from. The scripture don't let your right hand know what your left hand do. When you give, don't do it all out in the front of public to make a big migration because you already got your reward. He was trying to do it in secret. And what God do in secret, he would reward you. But I wanted to know. And God allowed me to know. Brother Jermaine sent me that $100. Thank you so much. He was like, I sure trying to do what you know, Sister Barbara. But the show did not go off. It continued on. Many people have come. And many people have come. But God bless. Yeah. Took Louis on. Louis needed the rest. Took Louis on. There was days I had to uh, hit Sister Mary and Sister Mary and I need fifty dollars. You, you have fifty dollars? She said, Yeah. Step right on to it. I hit Andrew Spinner up for $50. There were times in my personal life I felt like I was going through a wilderness experience with finances. But you know what I did? I kept teaching. I kept sharing the goodness of God. I kept giving up time and service where I could. I cleaned my closet. I give clothes and shoes away. I cleaned my fridge and my freezer. I give food away. I didn't just sit down wilding in the wilderness, wandering, looking to see if I can get out. No, because I knew God would bring me out. He allowed me to get in there. He'll bring me out. He saw me every day when I was having my wilderness experience. He saw me trying to come and make me depressed. Oh, you're a liar. I can do all things through Christ who sent to me, even this wilderness experience. Sometimes sickness will make you feel like that. Sometimes no money, not knowing where the next meal coming from, not knowing what you're going to do about your child's tuition in college, her books, his books. You need a care package. You don't have the money. 
and you feel like you're wandering because you don't know which way to turn. But you put it on the altar. You take it to God in prayer and leave it there. You don't take it to him in prayer and bring it back with you. You go boldly before the throne of grace, making your petition known unto God and leave it with him. If he's the one you want to fix it, leave it with him. Don't bring it back. Lord, have mercy. I don't know what I'm going to do. Charles' boy say he needs some shoes. I don't know what I'm going to do. I know what I'm going to do. Take my burden to the Lord and leave it there. What you say, Barbara? Oh, leave it there. Leave it there. Taking my burden to the Lord and leave it there. I can't doubt. Uh-uh. I know God's going to bring me out. <laughs> I'm taking my burdens to the Lord and leave it there. Yeah, that's what I got to do. But many faith and they still worry. Many pray and they over concerned. Many pray and they trying to figure it out. Many pray they trying to work it out. But when we went to God with it, he already knew. And he have a plan. The very first time you pray, he hears you. Promise you. I promise you. He taught me this. For his eyes are in every place. So if his eyes are there, his ears are there too. He's beholding and hearing the evil and the good. That's what the words say. And I know it to be true. I tried it for myself. He told me, I heard you the first time. I just need you to wait. Did you hear that? But boy, we can't wait. We, we need it. We need it now. <laughs> right now we need it. Oh, we want it right now. And I get mad. Step out of God to try to go and get it. And what you get make it worse than it was. Yeah, because we're trying to do it a way where we think we're doing it to get it quicker. If God is withholding it, if he's allowing you to have the patience to wait, what's happening is if he give it to you now, it won't work for your good. He will only give it when it will work together for your good. He called you and you love him. You said you did. But many times the actions don't show you love God. It shows you love your flesh. Many things we say to him without uttering a word. It's our action showing him what we mean. Even in your wilderness experience, you should be humble and praying. In your wilderness experience, you should look for doors to be open so you can go and be a blessing spiritually to somebody. Not materialistically, not naturally, but spiritually. Somebody got healing in their hands, but they're not going to go to no hospital and touch no chapel door or none of that. And ask God to send the healing from the hand to those that are sick in the hospital, in the intensive care. We won't go to the streets and do nothing. What? Because we, we done took a shower. We done were able to put a wig on or do our hands. Me and able to get a haircut, you know, dress decent. And the street people don't look like us, so we're not going out there fooling with them. The youth, they don't look like us, so we're not trying to go and fool with them. But he told us to go into the hedges and highways, teach and preach the gospel. 
in many cases, we got to compel man to come in. Many may have heard this before. He sat down up under the bridge in a city called Fairbanks in the state of Alaska. Under the bridge. The day before, I prayed the prayer of faith because I wanted to go out and talk of wonders works. I wanted to go out and make known his his deeds among the people. I feel the spirit of the Lord moving right now. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Mm, He came just like that. Hallelujah. So I wanted to give out a few clothes and a few socks, whatever I had. Because the state of Alaska and the city of Fairbanks is very cold. Like I'm living in the forest north in Florida. It's cooler here than Miami, Orlando, Daytona, Tampa. Yeah, Clearwater. It's cooler here. But in Fairbanks, I live further north. The furthest north. And it was cold there. So it was a cold morning. I prayed the prayer of faith uh, that Friday. And got up that Saturday, please more. I'm sitting on the side of the bed, and I said, Lord, what are they in heaven today? What are they doing there right now? Yeah, I remember this. And I said, Lord, what does it take to go back with you? You know, I'm just talking to him about spiritual things, and my ending days, I wanted to be with him, and I, I want to go out and talk about you and give to the people. Well, my God trying to keep the boat. He was going to go with the spiritual son and his wife and his two boys, and we went on, and we got out there, and I didn't know. But there was a whole tribe of people under the bridge. Under the bridge, a whole tribe of people, and they were living there. And the chief was with them. He was over talking with my spiritual son, and I. he came on up where I was, and we all ended up in the middle of the street, First Avenue, downtown Fairbanks. He said, oh, you're the one God sent. Oh, you're the one. I said, yeah, I'm the one God sent. He said, and God said this. He told me the prayer I had prayed that morning. In the middle of downtown Fairbanks, in the middle of First Avenue, I'm telling you, I was down there showing out in the praise and in the worship. Because no way this man knew my prayer that morning. He was not there. No way he could have been there. And then he told me, he said, yes, he said, I'm chief. He said, and I left God. So the people left God. He said, now, we got to go back to God. He said, and I'm taking them back. He said, and we're going to go ahead and go because the buffalo is about run. And we need to eat. So, we, you know, they kill buffalo and everything. Look at here. Y'all couldn't tell me nothing. He said, we could use some socks and coats. So, Keith and I, we went back to get whatever we could get and brought it back to him. The next day I go back down there, all up under the, but before that, God used me to cast some demons out and things right there, right there. 
The next day I go back looking for them, no people. They gone. That Monday I go back again and look for them, no. So at least once or twice a week I would ride through that looking to see. Had they come back, they didn't come back. He said he was taking the people back to the village. And they was, he was going to see that everybody came back to God. And make sure they're there for the buffalo run. You see, they was out there for the wilderness experience. They wasn't from the Fairbanks area. They wasn't from the city. They was from a village. City and village is much different. In the city, they was having a wilderness experience. They had nowhere to live. No food to eat. It was cold out there, no heat. But when he made up his mind that they were going back to God, they come out the wilderness. God sent somebody to help them on up out the wilderness. The demons had to go before they went back to the village, so God cast that thing out of there. You understand? So we wonder, why am I wandering around in the wilderness? Are you obeying God? Are you giving God his just due, his works? Are you making known his deeds among the people? Are you a cheerful giver this morning? Are your spiritual ears open so you can hear what the spirit has to say to the church? Oh, yeah. What are you doing? Really, look at your life now. What have you done for him lately, truly? And who have you done it unto? I tell you, little friends that look like you, talk like you, you know, they civilize, they, they don't have, have mental health issues, but they minor, they, 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 they're not so bad that they had to lock them up. What are you doing? Who are you praying for? Who are you witnessing to? Because a lot of times we looking and seeking for us. Oh, we'll listen to YouTube preachers and, and uh, TikTok preachers and this Facebook lives and this, that, and the other. But what labor are we doing ourselves unto God? What work can you say, God, this is you? This is what you had me to do. And sometimes we come out the wilderness and got to go right back in there. Because we left too much back there. Obedience back in the wilderness. Obedience unto God. We left the help and the love back in the wilderness so we can't love our neighbor. We can't love our co-workers. We can't love our church members. We had to go back to the wilderness so that we can get these gossiping spirits away from us. We left the spirits in the wilderness. We left doubt in the wilderness. We left anything that wasn't God in the wilderness because he's bringing us out and we're bringing none of this junk with us. We want us to drop it and leave it there. He'll move it out of there because I don't want nothing else to do with it. 
Did you put those marijuana smoking spirits out there in the wilderness and leave them? Did you put the snorting cocaine spirits out there in the wilderness and leave them? The alcohol spirits. The lying spirits, the cheating spirits, the using spirits. Did you put that out there in the wilderness and, and, and let it stay right there? Because God's bringing you out and you don't want to bring it with you. You want it to be delivered completely coming out the wilderness. The songwriter wrote a song and it says, how did you feel when you come out the wilderness? Hallelujah. Tell me, how did you feel when you come out the wilderness because you was leaning on the Lord? He said, I'm a leaning on the Lord, the one who died for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So this is where we need to get. We need a mind of Christ. My prayer is, Lord, let this mind be in me that was also in Christ Jesus. Because all Jesus wanted to do was please the Father. Jesus had some wilderness experiences as well. Do you remember when he come out of the wilderness, he had been fasting 40 days and 40 nights? Anybody remember that? And the enemy come to tempt, the devil come to tempt him. And you heard what he told him. Sometimes we got to go back to them scriptures and tell the devil the same thing, fooling with me, and I'm coming out of my wilderness experience. I'm trying to come out and he's showing me things, telling me things, and I don't want to hear that. I'm about to be delivered. So we may be down, but we are not out. We may be in the wilderness, but we yet belong to God. Stand up on his behalf, he's going to bless us. Even if you're praising, he's going to bless you. Somebody told me when the praises go up, the blessings of Almighty God come down. Somebody told me he won't owe you. He'll owe no man. If you praise him, he's going to pay you. If you worship him, he's going to pay you. <laughs> if you testify unto him, he's going to pay you. I got paid to for testify. Came off the show. God bless you. But we have to know our way. We can't trust God. See, he brought me from a place that's all I had was trust in him. All I had was faith in him. So he brought me. Yeah, and I'm thankful unto him. Hallelujah. Listen, we're going to the scripture and read, but I need to go to this one, and um, after this one, we're coming back, and we're going to the scripture, and we're talking a little bit more about the wilderness experience. Hallelujah. Bread of life, sent down the glory. Anything you were on earth, a holy king, a carpenter, but you are the living word, say now. 
your ears, but also for your spirit. Jesus in the Morning Radio. And you're with Barbara. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Mr. Fred Hammond. You are the living word today. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So look, these tribe of people uh, was together. Uh, Joshua was there, the son of Joshua, you know, none, and uh, the Kenzite and and, and Japanese, and just a bunch of people came up out of Egypt. From 20 years old and up, uh, shall see the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, because they have not woefully followed me. He won't let them go on over there. But the Lord's anger was kindled the same time, and, and he, he wasn't going to let them go see nothing. Uh-uh. He wasn't going to allow them to go. So, and I want you to look at this. This, this I'm in Numbers chapter 32. This, this is what I'm looking at. Listen to this. 40 years. Now, you know some of them had babies. And they grew up to be grown adults. And the Lord didn't let them go over into the promised land until the evil ones were dead and gone. That evil generation passed on. Nobody from that generation, the, the, the golden calf and the, all of this craziness. You got bones and rings in your nose and ears. You tied it up and all of that. He didn't let them people go. He waited until all of them died. Then they got to go. Them that obeyed God and stayed with the, the rules of God and followed God. They got to go to the promised land. If you look at Numbers 32 and verse 13, guess what he said? And the Lord's anger was kindled against Israel, and he made them wander in the wilderness 40 years until all the generations that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was consumed. Did you hear that? Until everything that got you in the wilderness is gone. You can't come out. You got to get rid of them wilderness things. You got to get rid of things that kindles against God. If it's lying, get rid of it. If it's weed smoking, get rid of it. If it's cocaine snorting, drinking liquor, get rid of it. Even if you have to go to a natural place to get some help, Get rid of it. Long enough to make a conscious decision to go to God and pray. Ask God to deliver me. Fourteen says, And behold, ye are risen up in your father's stead, and increase of sin for men, to augment yet the fierce anger of the Lord towards Israel. Listen. He said, Y'all doing what your daddy them did. You following in your daddy's footsteps. You're doing what uncle them did and granddaddy. You're not sticking with me. I brought you out of Egypt. Spared life. And see, that's some of us. I done bless you. I bless you to live. So many things was going to take place with you. I boarded it out. 
your children, they were going to really have some problems because of you, but I boarded it out. I let your children come forth and get in me and I in them. But you won't let go. You want the wilderness experience. So you got to wander down in the wilderness until you let the evil go. And then I can bring you into the promised land. I can bring you out to Egypt. I mean, out the wilderness experience. Yeah. 15 says, if you turn away from after him, he will yet again leave them in the wilderness. And you shall destroy all this people. And they came near unto him and said, We will be a sheepfold here for our cattle and cities for our little ones. But we ourselves will go ready, armed before the children of Israel, until we have brought them unto their place, and our little ones shall dwell in the fence cities because of the inhabitants of the land. God is more than fair. He's kind, merciful, loving, gracious. And he loved man. He loved us. But man's heart is evil and after evil things. We can't turn it or lose. If we feel it, we think we should do it. Yeah, if we feel it, we think we should do it. If we, uh, whatever we feel, Again, we just say we should do it. Well, I think I should be with her husband. So you're just going to go over there and commit adultery. I'm a man and he's a man, but I like him. I should be with him. No regards for what God said. No regards for how God feels. No regards for how he may view this. And all these kind of people, they have some great wilderness experience. Even in things God allowed in the earth, he allowed it, but the people of God should stay away from it. I did not go to no movies on Christmas. And let me tell y'all something. I've seen grown people, adult people, acting like children. I've seen grown people go to see the color purple, the 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 play, the movie play or whatever it was. We follow the world. I, I can't say nothing about it because it's already done. But if you had to serve the series, you would have known this is the birth of Jesus Christ. I am going to feed the families, celebrate, worship, clean up, praise and God. Preparing for the new year. We used to do all of that. But see, these are the people that go to church. These are the people that uh, believe, but it's yet their thing, and they're going to do what they want to do. It's not about God completely. It's about what God can do for them. Mm-hmm. We don't consider him. We consider ourselves first, what we feel first, and then he get in on it because we need him for something. We, we want to ask him to do something for us. It's a shame. Yeah, it really is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, look, 
uh, I just wanted to share that little bit, and uh, yeah, I think we should move on. Move on, go back. Yeah, Aaron was in on the deal, Moses' brother. Now, I know Aaron knew better. How are you going to do this like this, Aaron? God brought you forth so you could speak. Well, Israel's behalf. Your brother Moses couldn't do it, but you could. And it was for Israel. It was so that the people, your people, could come out of that. So they could come out of bondage. Having a king over them who don't even like them. We're not of the same nationality. They don't like me. So they treat me like a dog and I got to take it. But what did Israel do to get into trouble? What did you do to get away this experience? Now you're going to have some trials. They come to make you strong. But most wilderness experience is caused by us. We was only going to be there for a little while. But we got in the wilderness experience and did worse. Even more evil than we did before we went into the experience. And now we want God to bring us out. Not until we drop all these evils. Hallelujah. And it's already all right today in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We thank you. We thank you this morning. We thank you, Jesus. God, before us, he's more than the whole world against us. Listen, I'm going to one more request of the morning. And when I come back, we're still talking about the wilderness experience. Shut up. 
in this morning and a power. Hallelujah. I love all that kind of carrying on right there. Yes, I do. Love to dance before the Lord. Lift my hands and tell him thank you out loud. Uh, yeah, we do all of that. So listen, I have Dr. William H. Curtis of this morning, and his message is, is six cloudy days. And so I wanted to share this because we have about an hour and 23 minutes, and he's only going to be 44 minutes. So I wanted to share this this morning, and uh, God bless you, God bless you. Let's take a listen. Exodus chapter 24, and I want to read in your hearing verses 15 and 16. Exodus chapter 24, beginning with verse 15, and it reads like this. Then Moses went up to the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory and brilliance of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. On the seventh day, God called to Moses from the midst of the cloud. Six cloudy days. You may be seated, even in the presence of the Lord. Moses and a little more than 70 of the elders of Israel have shared a meal in the aftermath of seeing God move gloriously in their midst. What verbal engagement, what excitement and energy must have been the content of the mealtime conversation, reflecting in stunned amazement to have seen God actually move in their midst. In fact, it looked to them, the writer says, like God majestically standing on sapphire stone pavement, purposely arranged under the omnipotent feet of God. This privileged group, given a clear view of the very grandeur of God's presence, it really gets no better than this, particularly for a people whose history has been so painful and now whose future seems so bright. Moses, saturated in the busy work of scribing and building altars, offering sacrifices, preaching in the hearing of his people out of the Book of the Covenant, consecrating the people to protect the covenant they share with the God who has delivered them. Abruptly and now singularly, Moses is instructed to ascend yet further up the mountain because God has more he wants to share. More specifically, God wants to give Moses the tablets of stone that are going to shape and form Israel's ethics, laws, and relational dynamics. I cannot imagine the feeling of awe and wonder Moses must have felt that God wants to share his imagination regarding his people's future with me. Moses has to be thinking that. What a privilege that God wants to say anything to his people about anything. And Moses is summoned to ascend for this exchange. If any of, our, if any of us were Moses, the immediate thought has to be 
Let me move with haste and caress this meeting with urgency. Let me treat it as priority and make it the only focus of my human ambition. God wants to share something with me. And I want to avoid doing anything that might frustrate that meeting. Moses ascends to a spot where apparently he feels a sense of divine confirmation. This is where I need to be. And I know immediately upon arriving to that spot, having done exactly as God commanded, these stones God wants to give me that will shape theology and praxis for the people I lead will be given to me with haste. What a long way from a failed attempt at being a national liberator, murderer turned fugitive. Shepherd beckoned by the brilliance of a bush set on fire, and now here I am, summons to receive what God imagines for his people. Moses has postured himself to receive. And when he gets there, there's immediate confirmation. The Bible says a cloud covers the mountain. It's the settled and rested presence of the glory of God. Oh, God is here. He sent for me. I responded, and I must be in the right spot because having arrived to this spot resulted in the rested presence of the glory of God. I can't wait to hear what God has to share to receive what God discloses on the stones so that I might then descend the mountain, reconnecting with the people who are anxious to hear what has been given to me. Look at how far Moses has come. Overcoming personal feelings of inadequacy that made him think himself disqualified from even being considered for this high honor of leading people to a land of promise. He has a whole lot to be grateful for, and now he's about to hear from God what God wants from and for his people. And then the subtle tension in the text. And I want to suggest this same tension is attached to all of us in professional ministry tonight. God summons Moses. He is very specific. I want to meet you. I want to give you the tablets of stone. I want to express my thoughts and share them with you. I want to meet you on the mountain in order to complete the exchange. And Moses gets there with haste only for verse 16 to say, for six days the cloud covered the mountain. But on the seventh day, God spoke to Moses. Now there's a disconnect for me there. Because tonight, I confess, if Bishop Thomas called me late tonight and said in his prayer time that God spoke to him about something he needs to share with me, and I cancel all appointments tomorrow, wake up early, rush to meet him, what I do not expect is to have to sit in his presence for six days before he finally decides to tell me what he intends to share. I would think that my making him my priority would make him treat me with reciprocal urgency. I would think my obedience would be met with immediacy. 
if I rush to obediently respond to your summons, can you in like manner immediately respond to my passionate surrender? Moses knows God shows up because it happened in the preceding scene among he and the 70 plus elders, but now he sits for six cloudy days waiting for God to speak. And might I remind us, he did not call for the meeting, God did. And God knew exactly when Moses would arrive at the right spot for the meeting. Now don't write me off tonight as heretical for raising the tension. I know eventually God spoke. I know Moses was given what then Israel received and the trajectory of her national progression took the people to places they could not imagine. I know they were the blessed recipients of that eyes haven't seen and ears haven't heard and minds haven't conceived kind of experience. But while I do know tonight what happened after the seventh day, I just wonder how Moses handled those six cloudy days prior. sitting in the glory of God, wondering if he got his spot wrong or did he become all of a sudden disqualified in his mountain ascent? Did God change God's plans? He didn't choose to share it with Moses. Did I lose first position in this divine assignment? God, what's going on? I know I'm not out of your presence because I'm literally enveloped in it. He's here. I can see it. His glory is all over the place, but he ain't saying anything. And in fact, he didn't say anything yesterday. In fact, he hasn't spoken to me for six days. And I raise this tension tonight because we all have and will often find ourselves living in these six cloudy days trafficking in time between amazing divine demonstrations and powerful revelations affirmed that we're in the right place having responded to the right call but trying to make sense out of this prolonged silence responded to the call to be a custodian of the demonstrative and yet it appears I'm spending more time managing the less than demonstrative chores required by the six cloudy days preceding. We all live in this strange context of these six cloudy days, don't we? I asked you for direction days ago and our relational history has so many instances where you guided me immediately. The culture is asking for answers to the crisis they face and my hurried rush since you have not been talking to me in my hurried rush over these six days to provide them an answer. It has me choosing a ministry that is attractive over the ministry that is militant. I'm in the right place. I can sense your presence. The people are anxious about my return. You called for the meeting. I showed up when you called, and now you're going to delay? And this delay is confusing. It's tormenting for me because my need is urgent, immediate, necessary, vital. It's important and significant. And if all of these for me sums up my expectation, should it not be urgent for you, God? Did I hear you wrong? Did I do something wrong? 
Did someone sabotage our plans? Have you switched your focus? And then now I'm not a part of your progression. Did somebody forget to tell me something? This is how Moses had to feel. Seventy elders are just a few gradations lower, a whole nation at the base, and all of us can see glory. God is here. Everything about who I am and what I know and what I discern says that I'm in the right place, but God isn't saying anything, just hovering creating a strange sense of present absence or absent presence, whatever image fits. And I was okay day one. Day two, I became anxious. Day three, I'm severely concerned. Day four, I'm starting to listen to my doubt. Day five, I'm frustrated. Day six, I'm angry and confused. And finally, on day seven, you want to talk to me? How did Moses handle six cloudy days? And how do we handle delayed periods of silence and ambiguity and ministry uncertainty and routine ministry drudgery without any exciting demonstrations, no clear understanding of what to do with this institutional adverse culture? We are attempting to evangelize who acts for us to offer a faith practice that only appeases their appetite, never offends their conscience accepts no absolutes, holds little loyalty to tradition in the institution, unable to celebrate the institution's virtues because it carries the stench of ethnic and gender and sexual bias, wanting a word watered down to include all preferences and all pluralities. I'll join your church, but everything's got to go and everything must be accepted. Everything has to be affirmed. Everything has to be stroked. Everything has to be permitted. No sacrifice. No such thing as absolute truth and with a political landscape that is so bogged down in slimy deceptions and greed-filled alliances. You got me up here for six days knowing these people already think that I'm detached from their mountain-based realities. I'm sorry, I'm talking about my struggle. And I know that once God speaks on day seven, what he says will define Israel forever. I know it will establish laws and shape culture and protect community. I celebrate everything God will reveal to Moses and what I know will be Moses' personal investment in making sure Israel fully understands it all. What piques my sermonic interest tonight is, what did Moses think the first six days sitting in silence. And what perhaps tonight is God encouraging us to consider in the gaps between epiphanies and the seasons between theophanies when there are no major shifts and radically changing circumstances and mind-blowing blessings and enemy-defeating victories when people are not running laps around the sanctuary and dropping money at the altar and speaking victory over their lives. What is the text challenging us to do not on the seventh day of celebration but the six days of silence? And I wonder tonight if perhaps what God is challenging us to consider is can presence 
be enough of a confirmation? Or is extravagant demonstration always required? Can I rest here in the silence and simply enjoy presence? I mean, if demonstration is my only filter for confirming the presence and power and purpose of God, my faith will reach a stage of arrested development. Every time I come to church, I'm going to need a fresh prophetic word of public display and a promise of actionable victories. And when we preachers succumb to preparing this style of gospel and ministry, it's going to stagnate complete maturation and place us on a limited plateau of the demonstrative. And there's so much more that God shapes in us through the silence the delays when you have to fight restlessness and learn simply to abide am i talking to anybody in here tonight he has as much to show you in the normal quiet progressive fellowship that takes place day to day as he demonstrates when he's multiplying fish and loaves and separating water spurgeon says Delay will quicken and increase desire, and that if God keeps you waiting, you'll see your need more clearly and will seek more diligently, and that you'll treasure the mercy all the more on account of the wait. In other words, you'll learn to value the gift of his presence alone. If you don't do anything extravagant, demonstrative, I'm just glad and grateful to be in your presence. The crisis that this culture faces, that's what you asked me to talk about. It's call to the church for answers necessitates that you take tablets down that mountain from day seven engagement, able to argue its legitimacy for ethical insertion in the public discourse based on on the convictions you've come to the six days preceding. You don't have authority to talk about what you got on day seven unless you survive the silence of the preceding six days. Because the issues this culture faces needs our stewardship of devotion to the creative imagination of God. Our work has shifted. Shifted from measuring success based on brick and mortar expansion to now the desperate need for safe relational connections with authentically spiritual leaders who have more than answers and suggestions but who reflect the presence of an eternal God. My ministry has shifted over these 30 plus years from an expectation that I simply handle chores in the congregation's absence that we celebrate in the congregation's presence. Now they care less about the chores and just want me to be around intentionally focus on conversations that help them sort through life's complexities not with an axe at the root of the tree but also not surrendering truth and owning it even if we have to have critical and crucial conversations you need God's imagination 
to speak truth to absurd power in this incredulous age and backing away from a belief in a virgin birth or a certain afterlife or an empty tomb are not how we need to train clergy for professions in ministry. You don't have to water down the gospel or rewrite the Bible in order to find a place in the cultural conversation. I need commitment to honoring time in God's presence more than my commitment to absorb the critique of the culture and ministry still needs a commitment more to the former than the latter. I can only cease playing ministry defense when I made a commitment to the offensive strategy that has been set. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. But against powers and principalities. I wonder how much introspective work Moses was able to get done sitting in the safe presence of God's glory. He can't hurry God. He knows God doesn't need to be reminded that he's in this waiting room for an appointment he responded to and did not initiate. Moses is away from the decisions that were pressed on him by elders, the turbulent issues among the tribes, the need to motivate a nation to press forward and fight faithfully. Moses is away from the shaping of ethics and morality and spirituality and faith in a people who have running in their veins the duplicity of spiritual practices, many of which were sewn into the fabric of their ethic by the length of their enslaved sojourn in Egypt. Maybe six days in God's presence was a refreshing opportunity for him to catch up with himself and sort through the complexity of his own thoughts that had been suppressed while he made everything else and everybody else a pressing priority. Maybe he found it excruciating and learned just how addicted he had become to the movement and the pace and the demands and the need to be needed. And perhaps it became a time of repentance when he could recognize how much his labor had overtaken his devotional connectivity. And he spent six cloudy days being reminded prayer still works. Perhaps God forced Moses to sit six days in his presence to see if the tablets were more important to him than his fellowship with God. Would being in God's presence this long with no words spoken spook the maturing leader? Would the frustration of delay expose flaws in Moses' personality or defects in his character? I don't know tonight. Which of these are more true to why God made him sit for six days? But I know that God is not handcuffed by our need for immediacy. He doesn't allow us to take him hostage because of our anxiety and urgencies. And while he responds to our prayers and is sensitive to our heart cries, he ain't controlled by him. I'm sorry. He is not controlled by them. Nor will he ever be manipulated by them. And he has reasons for making Moses sit there. That may not include any of the reasons I've offered, but it doesn't change the fact that I posit tonight that if you can't handle his presence without him talking and revealing and demonstrating and changing and multiplying and prospering, then it speaks to the current infantile state of your faith. Because God doesn't rush most things of high spiritual import. 
because the end result of the tablets is never as important as the relationship he's establishing with the one who will carry them. God is using the time not for tablets only. He could have dropped the tablets on people through a myriad of other ways. But the faith of his leader, the trust and patience of his leader, the development of close experience with his leader needed these six days of presence in silence. Can I suggest, and I'll take my seat, can I suggest that we never forget that God wants fellowship with us more than anything else. That the blessing of monumental importance for us is that God just delights hanging with us. Is anybody in here listening to me? Even if not much is said or not much is done, he just likes being with us. I'm convinced that Moses had to just be there for six days when clearly God doesn't have to delay saying what he really has already said. And since he is eternal and for him there is no beginning or ending and every day is an eternal now, it's not like God needed time before he spoke to his servant. So it must mean his servant needed time before God spoke. And the text doesn't say that anything happened in those six days. And I won't superimpose on the text. I'll make no inferences on the text. If it doesn't say anything happened, my logical conclusion and exegetical sharpness says then nothing happened. What did he do? He sat there, couldn't sign on the Instagram, Snapchat, or Facebook. He had to sit there and watch Glory hover. Because Moses needed more than anything else, perhaps, just time in the presence of God. God has some of us tonight living so close to whatever is next that we can feel it. We can, we can taste it. We can sense it. We discern it. But you can't receive it unless you can handle those six cloudy days. That period of silence. What appears to be no movement from God on our behalf at all. The cloud says he's there. You know he has a plan. He summons you for the meeting. Glory is all around you, and yet you're going to have to wait. Can you handle the privilege of invitation without the bestowing of responsibility? I wonder if Moses is being challenged to offer his time with no activity, no demonstration. You ain't on the preach. You ain't on the sing. You're not on the pray. You're not on the read the scripture. No miracles. No conflict resolution among leaders. No settling of camp disputes. No building of altars or offering sacrifices on the same. Can you resist the temptation to feel like it's wasted time just because you have no pointed responsibility? Can the prophet sin for you while you're not there? Just out outside being faithful with the sheep or are you breaking in the back door trying to shove a copy of your resume and the recent tape of your last engagement because you got to seize the moment walk into your season or can you just let your gift make room for you and bring you before good people maybe it's what Martin Luther said when he suggested I have so much to do today let me spend the first three hours in prayer presence alone must be a priority. God may give us time we waste, but he never requires time of us that he waste. How does Moses survive these six cloudy days? Because he never stopped expecting 
what had not yet manifested. To me, this is the test of the presence of your faith, but it's also the test of the muscle of your faith, the endurance of your faith. Your faith may be able to lift a heavy load, but can it do it over a duration of time? Not do you have faith, but how long can it last? What's your breaking point? What's your negotiating price? What's the line after which, when it's crossed, you can't come back? Moses' belief in the reality of God has him on the mountain, but his enduring confidence makes him sit there for six days. I don't know if I could have done it. His obedience to the invitation prompted him to move with haste, but he needs a strong and tenacious expectation to stay up there in silence for six days. And I remind us again, while I know I'm in the right place, I've been in ministry with enough intersections, many of which have been unfortunate, where I wanted to walk away from ministry. I carry scars tonight covered under the suit that were deep enough but yet nonetheless healed long enough for me to look you in your eyes and tell you hang in there I'll, I'll say it again I carry scars deep enough I've come to enough intersections I've earned this by enough tenure in ministry to look you in your eye and tell you hang in there all the stress of ministry in this declining age of Christianity, you hang in there. All the personal attacks and social media ambushes, you hang in there trying to figure out just what makes this culture tick and how sensitive the balancing act between your want to be prophetic and your need to keep the lights and the bills paid, trying to find the balance between the congregation's consumer appetite and your allegiance to build a congregation of militant disciples I know how hard it can be to want to tell the truth, but to know to do so, some tides might walk out the back door, or certain families may become offended. I know if you're like me, you're wondering how much longer can you take this? I'm tired of having to consider, do I have to give away a car or a washing machine or promise dinner at a five-star restaurant just to get people to come to church, and I have no more somersaults or pull pit gyrations or gymnastics. I can't hoop holler squall anymore. I don't know anymore to say or do. And God, you got me up here. And you ain't saying anything. And maybe tonight, maybe tonight, in the midst of our fatigue, feeling isolated, maybe what God is saying to us is, ministry's in the tension. You so in a hurry for day seven that you're willing to abort ministry development the preceding six days. Here's the challenge. The challenge is to let the tension make spiritual deposits because it too teaches it too refines it too exposes the tension gives gifts of introspection and time to answer the complexity of the questions and all these gifts aren't shared on the seventh day 
Many are shared in the tension of waiting during the six cloudy days. I wonder tonight, I'm, I'm done, I wonder if at times God stretches experiences he could solve immediately and if he extends struggles he could ease immediately because he's not trying to awaken faith, he's trying to mature it. See, here's, here's the question. Will Moses wake up the next day as hungry to hear my voice, having gone to sleep another day when I haven't talked to him? And the hope for us tonight is that we are as enduring during seeming absence or silence as we are excited about the demonstrative presence of God. That God's delays don't deaden the anticipation of his speaking whenever he chooses to. Or that his movement or manifestation has to match your urgency or it will not have your gratitude when he doesn't move or manifest as fast as you anticipate. Can I chase what continues to elude me? Can I bring heightened joy to delayed answers? Can I give him my best when it seems God has not given me any signs of anything? But you have to remember... And when God is choosing not to speak concerning an area of your life, it's not a reflection of a God who is absent. He's still glory on the mountain. Even when he's not literally inviting Moses to position himself anywhere specifically. I would hope that some of you would chase the will of God when he's not giving you confirmation. When you're not as clear as to how much longer and for what end or aim. Just prove to God that you're there and you're willing to chase what is not yet fully revealing itself. For all that God is and all that God has done. Can I ask you, isn't he worth the chase? If I have to leave my sermonic engagement, even with a cliffhanger, it's okay because I don't have to have everything solved. I just need to have one absolute, and that is as long as I'm walking by faith and I'm walking according to ordered steps, then I'll make my way through the maze of my own personal ambiguities. Do not conclude that every blessing is waiting for you to arrive at day seven. Some blessings are strewn throughout the six days while you exist and nothing more than the hovering cloud. Because that means God is the answer, but he's also in the search. God is in the deliverance, but he's also in the enduring struggle. God is in the healing, but he's also in the grace to live carrying well the pain. Moses becomes closer to who God is, shaping each of the waiting days prior to his voice beyond audibly heard on day seven. God's presence is not limited to manifestation. If you ask me tonight what my pain is for the contemporary church, it is this. We have so fed the culture a diet of manifestation that whenever we announce invocation, somewhere between invocation and benediction, if something demonstrative is not going on, then most of our congregations have concluded we have not had church. And in fact, I try to tell members of my church, you can't run every Sunday. You can't shout every Sunday. You can't be the one hollering every, you can't be laid out every Sunday. You can't be the one that's screaming every Sunday. Why? Because some Sundays God needs you to sit down and be silent 
so he can correct all of this bipolar, dysfunctional, multiple personality, schizoid, maladjusted behavior in your life. Sit down somewhere and listen. I'm not hooping to you every Sunday. I'm not getting up and trying to squall, trying to sweat out of every suit God's blessed me with because you can't have church until I've decided to try to shut it down. How about you sit down and just listen to God say, He that have ears to hear. Have I got a witness in here tonight? God's presence is not limited to manifestation. Stop telling everybody it's going to happen by the 31st of the month. And as soon as you get out to the parking lot and it's based upon how much money you have given, do you know how many of our members have written these things down in the leaflets of their Bibles and expiration dates have passed? And you mad at them for walking out the back door? You promised them prosperity. You promised them all their enemies would be their footstool. You told them they were going to get a car, a house, and a boo, and here they are still in church, broke, busted, and disgusted, and they ain't mad at God, they mad at us. Your faith has to chase a God who you know is working even when you can't hear him and see and confirm all I know is I'm in his presence and being right here is okay with me until God makes his choice to do something different I'm done that that the text says text says on the seventh day God did speak after Moses had time to sit in God's presence and purge his underlying hungers after he defeated the need for immediate and could settle for eventually when he could let go of activity and be shaped by solitude, when he could decide that asking how long is not as efficacious as settling for however long, he then discovered that you can renew strength as strong as eagle's wings. <laughs> you can walk and not faint run and not get weary if you can wait on God. The tablets were given. Moses descended. The people instructed. Progress was made. The promised land secured. Blessings flowed in abundant provision. And despite six cloudy days up on the mountain, Israel was right on time for where they needed to be. But because of the six cloudy days, they were not only right on time for where they needed to be, they were right on time for who they needed to be. And I don't know how long tonight your six cloudy days will last and when your day seven expression will begin. I don't know when the tide of your ministry will turn. I don't know when people are going to crowd back in our sanctuaries. I don't know when the tides are ever going to become superfluous again. I don't know when God is going to reward us for our sweat equity and pay us for the work that we've put in. I don't know when it's going to feel more downhill than it feels for me in this season like it's an extreme uphill battle. But I do know this. He may not come when you want him. I wish I was at home, because if I was at home comfortable, I'd have to pause and say that's one of those spots where you say, ooh, Lord, he may not come when you want him, but grab somebody and tell him, but he's always, 
right on time. I love that Max Lucado illustration. When he says, once there was a man who dared God to speak, burn the bush, God, like you did for Moses, and I'll follow you. Collapse the walls like you did for Joshua, God, and I'll fight still the waves like you did in Galilee, and I'll listen. And so that man sat by the bush, sat near the wall, sat close to the sea, and waited for God to speak. And God heard the man, so God decided to answer. He sent fire, not for the bush, but for the church. He brought down a wall, not of brick, but of sin. He stilled the storm, not of the sea, but of the human soul. And then God waited for the man to respond. And God waited. And unfortunately, God waited. But because the man was looking at bushes and not hearts, bricks and not lives, seas and not souls, he decided God had done nothing. And finally, he looked to God and said, God, have you lost your power? And God looked at him and said, man, have you lost your hearing? Hear me tonight, Hampton. What God is trying to do for us is to awaken the church community. That's why we got to put up with this Trump incredulous administration where truth is on the scaffold. Am I talking to anybody here where we can't decipher one lie from another? But I'm here tonight to tell you that when I dismount this pulpit and I go back to the room, I'm going to sleep like a baby. And if you ask me why, it's not because I'm not concerned about what's happening in Pennsylvania Avenue. It's not because I'm not concerned with the decline of Christianity in the United States of America. It's not because I don't carry concerns about how absurd our seminaries have become when you want to teach my preachers that there is no immaculate conception and that there is no heaven and hell and that Jesus is not the son of the living God. But I'm here tonight to tell you, you can write me off as old-fashioned. You can call me antiquated if you want, but I still believe that Jesus is the son of the living God. And I still believe that the best hope for America is the Christian church. And I still believe that every community ought to thank God for its preacher. Do I have any company in the building? Grab somebody by the hand and help me to encourage somebody and look somebody right in the eye and tell them when Friday comes and you go back to your city, I want you to write the vision and make it plain and after you write the vision don't try to manipulate it you carry until it comes to pass because it surely will come to pass have I got a witness here tonight I'm trying to quit but my soul didn't mess around and caught on fire I actually thought I should have declined the invitation because I froze thinking about standing in front of you until it hit me. You and I are in the same sphere. Every chance we get, we ought to get excited to just tell somebody at the cross, at the cross, where I first uh, saw the light. Have I got a witness here tonight? Come on, help me to encourage somebody. Take them by both arms like you trying to minister to them and tell them, don't get weary. 
Come on, you ain't preaching to them. This is your chance. You go home and tell somebody you had a chance to bless somebody's life. Tell them, don't get weary in your well-doing. For in due season, we going to reap if we say not. Say yes. Don't get weary. Keep on preaching. Don't get weary. Keep on trusting. Don't get weary. one of those six cloudy days. Let me see your hand. All right, I'm going to challenge you because I know you can shout on the seventh day, but I want to see if you can give God praise and you stuck in between day one and day six. Isn't he still worthy? Won't he still come through? Isn't he still God on his throne? Hallelujah, Dr. William H. Curtis, and the name of that message was Six Cloudy Days, Six Cloudy Days, and so we're grateful unto Almighty God for all he has done for us, and we thank him, and we give him glory, we give him honor and praise, and uh, I'm going to this one song, I have uh, uh, someone on their way to do some pressure washing this morning, so I have to get off here so I can greet them, but, and get this, so I can greet them, but we go into this one song, and when we come back, we come back bring it. Sometimes discouraged, but not defeated. Cast down, but not destroy. Their times I don't understand, but I believe it's turning around for me. I've had struggles and disappointments. There times I felt so alone Some of my friends say 
let me down But I still believe It's turning around for me Around for me Around for me Around for me It's turning around Just say it into the atmosphere. Around for me. <laughs> turning around. Turning around for me. I can see the breaking. I can see the breaking of day. God is. If I stay strong, if I stand strong there's no reason to doubt. I know He's working in us, and it's turning around. This is the good news, and it won't always be. That concerning And sooner or later It'll turn in my
Hallelujah, hallelujah, Mr. Bashan Mitchell this morning, turning around for me. I'm thankful unto the Lord that he's turning what I don't need, turning it on around and getting it away from me. Hallelujah. Good morning to you, Sister Rita and Sister Dorothy Goodman and Sister Irene. God bless you this morning. Thank God for those that come through the archives and the podcast. God bless you. God bless you. I thank God for you. And so listen, we're going to pray out and we pray the Lord bring us back tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for another episode of Jesus in the Morning. And we're going to try and get some good testimonies tomorrow, fiery hot testimonies (laughs) until the Lord will testify Friday. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for all that has been said and done. Father, we thank you for your word, for your word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. And forever, O oh God, that word is settled in heaven. Lead and guide us in the right path today, Father, for your name's sake. Bless our going out and bless our coming in. Father, meet the need in our lives according to your riches and glory by your Son, Christ Jesus. And those that are sick, God, I ask that you would touch and heal Right now, for it's you that heal all manner of sickness and disease. You took a beating for the healing of the nation. Moved by your spirit today, O God, in the name of Jesus. And Lord, those that are coming through the archive and the podcast, do the same, O God. Bless our family. Bless our friends. Lord, near and far, you know what they stand in the need of today. Continue to bless Jesus in the morning. God, continue to open doors and make ways where I see no way. Lead and guide me, Father, in the right path for the sake of your people. God, I will tell your truth with them, nothing of myself, in the name of Jesus. We thank you. We thank you. We can't thank you enough. We ask it all again in Jesus' name. Amen and hallelujah. May the Lord watch between me and thee while we are absent, one from another, in the name of Jesus. Go today in love and peace. Share the good news of Jesus and give someone something of quality. God loves a cheerful giver. Have a blessed day. I speak the blessings of Almighty God upon you today, January 4th, 2024, in Jesus' name. So at this time, I'm going to say bye-bye and have a blessed day. Turn it around for me.